You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. Uh, the show was recorded live to podcast on the 23rd of June, 2022. Summer began just a couple of days ago. Happy solstice. Um, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Ways Media and Dave Davies from Weights and Biases. Dave, happy summer, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice. Although, you know what, I'm, I'm in Victoria, as you know, and you, you've lived here before. So, you know, it's it's now I'm, I'm locked in. It's going to be, I don't know what this is in, in, in Fahrenheit, but like high 60s to low 70s. It locked in on that sitting at about 15 to 21 degrees and it'll just skate all the way through there. So the fact that it's summer is kind of just a two degree warmer version of spring and then it'll drop two degrees for fall. <laughs> yeah. The perpetual springtime of Victoria, British Columbia. Yeah. I miss yeah. that. I'm living in the swelter of Toronto. Um, the uh, fourth largest city in North America, if you include Mexico City as the largest, and uh, 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 just an incredible density of people. But one, one of the cool things about living in Toronto is um, we get the really, really, really big events and tech shows that that, that happen here um, uh, more often than any other city in Canada, just because of Canada's size and, and, and geography. The uh, really big shows tend to happen happen here and the largest tech show in canada in canadian history and one of the largest um, in the world collision um is still taking place it started on monday and uh closes today um in toronto down at exhibition place and um courtesy of collision and uh thanks to the hookup from my my, my friend and co-host dave davies um i got an all access pass an all media pass um so I got a, I got a, I got a quick thing at the, at the beginning of the show uh, about Collision. It was a uh, radically interesting conference, but uh, but I, I got to tell you, Dave, I've I've never left a tech conference more pessimistic than when I entered until this one. That's you got to explain that. Well, 
it wasn't because of the conference or because of the organizers or because of the attendees or even because of the venue or even because of the stifling heat of Toronto's early summer. It was the overall contradiction between capital and creativity that busted my mood. The differences between the have and have nots were, were, were really palatable everywhere one looked at Collision. And um, when you're in the middle of the largest tech conference in, in the country, there's a lot of nooks and crannies to look into. I don't want to criticize Collision, the Collision Conference, by the way. It was remarkable. Um, it's extraordinary in its scope, its organization, its speaker lineups. Um, it's organized by the same group that creates the Web Summit Conferences and the smaller but equally extraordinary Internet Summit series. Uh, Collision Conference lets speakers, attendees, and media participants know it has a mission. Um, I'm an independent writer and a you know, well-known but definitely niche podcaster. And I was treated with a level of cooperation and respect normally reserved for media with like way larger audiences. Now imagine offering thousands of media people hundreds of speakers and nearly 40,000 attendees, that level of enhanced experience. And that's what being at a uh, collision conference or a um, web summit or uh, internet summit, um, that's what being at these shows is like. Um, a wise piece of career advice, if you can ever attend a major conference, even if it's the only major conference you attend in your life, Make sure it's one organized by these folks because you're going to have a really good time. Um, so Collision is people from every part of the tech, the tech world coming together to share ideas and push their products. That's like, you know, you could say that's any, any tech conference. But unlike other tech conferences, uh, Collision is, is unique in bringing so many different people from so many different sectors, from so many different parts of the world together in uh, what is really the most multicultural city on earth, Toronto, Canada. And I'm lucky enough to live in that city, which when you're covering a massive tech show can be a mixed blessing. Toronto's enormous. Um, I live at the far north end of the city and the collision conference happened at the far south end of the city. And for me, that means over an hour long commute from my you know, quiet little cottage down to the ginormous venue, uh, which is meters from uh, Lake Ontario at exhibition place. That kind of commute also makes going to the after-hours after events a lot less tempting. So um, half the fun of conferences is going out at night and, you know, hanging out with colleagues in a way less formal atmosphere and, and you know, enjoying whatever city that you're in. When it's your own hometown, though, I mean, all you can think about is how long it's going to take to get back home before you got to be back at the conference at 7 in the morning. Um, so a lot less tempting. Um in Toronto, it gets really hot, like super sweltering, sweaty hot. And even even though the conference was held down by Lake Ontario, one of, one of the Great Lakes, um, the temperature soared into the high 30s. And with over 30,000 people, most of whom were maskless, crammed into standing room only lecture theaters or walking the very, very crowded aisles of the massive trade show floor, um, let's say the facility's air conditioning was, was barely keeping up. So... The conference at trade show floor layout was really clever. They had like eight topically unique areas anchored by mini stages, which were set to seat like 50 to 400 people, uh, depending on the stage. There was a central stage that would, uh, that was set to seat maybe 1200 people. Um, depending on the, uh, 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 
uh, again, depending on, on the stage of the area you're in. Around each stage are vendors, uh, some of which are established businesses and some of which are startups seeking funding. You can tell the difference. Uh, the uh, vendors, they were in booths that you'd see at, at most conferences. Well, the startups, on the other hand, they occupy line after line after line of unfinished pasteboard standing desks that appeared to be rented by the hour. Uh, there was, there was uh, beta and uh, alpha startups, um, depending on which level of funding they, they were seeking. There had to be hundreds of startups represented row upon row upon row, their founders just waiting like spiders as potential funders and investors walked the seemingly endless aisles. It was, uh, you could just see them watching their mark coming down the, the aisle, and you watched them move. Uh, if you're a people watcher, that, that, that was fun. Um, okay, so I spoke with a lot of people. I sat in a lot of sessions. I attended a Neil Patel presentation, so you don't have to. Uh, recorded a number of interviews, uh, many of which were editing, and I'm working towards setting up a number of other interviews for the interesting speakers. Uh, overall, I walked away with uh, a lot of conflicting ideas and emotions. Tech doesn't exist in a bubble. Our world is the real world, even if that world is, is a media scape made up of virtualized representation. Real-world politics, real-world economics, real-world social disparities, finance, and even the immutable laws of physics all govern the virtual real world we work and entertain ourselves in. This year's Collision Conference was about looking at and trying to solve problems. But as attendees who moved between the main stage where corporate C-level types talked about being Napoleon and Lord Pitt, and the smaller stages where enlightened philosophers waxed eloquently about how to make this the best of all possible worlds. Everybody who isn't Napoleon and Pitt can easily attest that the C-level corporate world doesn't have any interest in solving the fundamental problems of the business models of the web. They just want to make as much money in the next three months as they possibly can before moving on to the next three months. I'm not kidding. That's how the conversation was going. Um, these problems aren't getting solved soon. Now, that said, the business of business actually truly and phenomenally got done at Collision. It was a remarkably successful conference. Um, if you were a startup looking to get connected, you probably got your connection. If you wanted to know where tech is going, even if it's going into a dystopian area, which it is, um, you you got that quite clearly. The, the access was right there. One last piece of dystopia before we get into the show itself from the... When talking about the new virtual worlds that we're going to be moving into, the uh, metaverse, so to speak... Um, the topic of um, virtual clothing came up as a very important topic. In the metaverse, you're going to have to dress well because you will be judged by how your avatar looks. And the better your avatar looks, the more expensive your avatar is going to be. And that's the way it's going to be, really. This is the, this, imagine the world you live in now, even more cramped for money. That's the meta world we're moving into. Um, that ter that one statement about clothes in the meta world terrified me. Um, I was sitting with 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 Bill and Matoko Hunt, and um, it wasn't just my reaction. They they were also both like, "What? Oh my! Wow!" Um, anyway, collision was amazing. Uh, Dave, thank you for the hookup on that. I really really appreciate it, and I can't wait till next year's show. Um, but accessing that level of sea level. 
can be really frightening when they tell you what they really think. <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes you don't you don't want to know. One of the, the things that I found really interesting that you were chatting, well, there was there was a few things to, to sort of unpack from that. And we, we can chat about them throughout the short because there's some sort of related stories we'll be talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I'll be really, really interested to hear how everything sort of plays out. One of the things that I'll be curious to see, there's something in the gaming world like, you know, I play video games mm-hmm. like call of duty new ones coming out in the fall i'm already bought the beta like i'm looking forward to it because you get the beta if you, if you pre-order so anyway there's something that's referred to there and i do wonder if we'll start seeing that in the metaverse called grinding i mean th- there's a bunch of things you can do but it's basically like where you just sort of like hunker down and go i'm going to use like whatever this weapon to level it up and you just yep. grind right it's just like i'm going to keep doing the same thing and it's going to be horrible but i'm going to get it done and, and then i'll get like whatever camo or whatever you can do that to get different Sorry, I play first-person shooters, right? Like different weapons, different outfits, different this and that. And I wonder if we'll start to see that and what form it'll take. Like, well, you can buy your way in like first-person shooters, but do they go, you can get new clothes and you're going to do this and you'll have to like grind your way through. You'll have to basically work in the metaverse. But then what did they get out of that that turned into money? Well, think about how how the blockchain um, verifies and protects itself. A great deal of energy goes into generating the blockchain blockchain ledger and i think a lot of the work of grinders in video games is going to be moving those servers moving those bits doing adding that energy to um whatever nft they're purchasing which is essentially what that wonderful sword you got is um uh, 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 and you're going to see a lot of that happening. Yeah, yeah that, that's coming to the video game world. So you're going to see a lot of free games that are easy to download to your phone or easy to download to your PC. And yeah, totally free. It doesn't cost you $39.99 anymore or even $69.99. But over time, it'll cost you either your time or you can purchase, purchase things straight up with a really right. credit card. Right. But if, if you are grinding, then you are moving the wheels of a ledger. I'm, I'm almost certain of that. You're, you're probably spot on. And I think we're, we're sort of along the same tangent. It'd be interesting to see how the actual specifics of the mechanics of everything work. Um, but there's a lot that can be done with just randomness, right? So, okay, you just have to like move randomly around, right? Your character and like do stuff in this, like here's a like direction you need to go or whatever. So that they're guaranteed your sort of like randomness in, in built into that. Um Nothing comes for free and it costs them money to have you moving around randomly. So they ain't doing that for free either. No, exactly. But if they can use that to then power a blockchain, for example, or or something like that, um, then it all all comes together and and they make their money and you can, or just pay your way through (laughs) right up to you. Uh, But I think most of those scenarios, because I know I would hate it if a game I was playing didn't allow everybody to go to the same level. Like, yes, I can buy that. I get these weapons unlocked by default if I just pay, but I can grind my way through and I can get them. Absolutely. Right. You know, sort of that sort of thing. So, you know what, this is still a democracy. So absolutely. You got access to all of that stuff, but it's a fast track democracy. So if you want to buy it, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, another thing that was talked about a lot and, and quite a promising thing um, was the use of machine learning and artificial intelligence to solve massive problems or minor problems. Um, you know how you just can never, ever, ever get a ticket at through Ticketmaster or ticket purchasing <laughs> or whatever. 
you can use AI to solve that problem. And it, I got to tell you, people much smarter than me are um, are, are are working on 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 getting to see uh, getting front row Drake tickets. Um, I'm not smart enough to be a big Drake fan, so. Um, but uh, the the uh, AI and uh, machine learning are um, being used to spot patterns to um, pull traffic spots. Uh, for for beleaguered uh, commuters trying to find a place to park in downtown Victoria, um, uh, uh, being used to try to solve famine issues, um, how to move uh, uh, sh- shipping traffic around the world uh, using the least amount of resources possible or without it getting blown up. Um, yeah, uh, extraordinary advances in, uh, in again, um, uses of AI and machine learning, um, or at least extraordinary ideas in the way those um, applications should advance. Indeed. Now, one, uh, like, buddy, I don't, one I'll, I'll chat about, it just crossed my radar like an hour ago. Um, and, you know, I pay like attention to the, to the machine learning space for, for obvious reasons. And this one, I can't fully wrap my brain around except to go, I understand what problem you're solving. I understand that you're telling me you can solve it. And I don't understand anything that happened between these two points. Um, and it's Google AI just released a, a uh, sort of the, the findings or the results of a collaboration they did. Um, and it involved like they're in there with Microsoft, Berkeley, um, Harvard was in there, Caltech was in there, like some of the best minds in the planet all got together and went in quantum mechanics, so this is why you just lost me on here's how like all of this works, right? I, I don't understand quantum mechanics. You can have something existing in two different spaces at the same time, but as mm-hmm. soon as you observe it, it now appears here or there, but in, in actuality, it is in, it is in both, but the observer wrecks the entire thing. So now they have figured out how to make AI systems monitor and interact with this thing in two places. Right, like at, at the same time. So just to, to, to sort of like highlight that, like, yeah, machine learning is doing, like the brains behind what they're doing is is magnificent. And, and, and I find this one sort of interesting is like a highlight of like, they're doing some crazy stuff, but real world scenario, the stuff you were seeing is actually the stuff, like Google will, will work with Microsoft and they'll figure out how the universe works. That's really, really neat. And it'll probably drive things like teleportation, right? But what you're talking about is the stuff that right now will make my buying experience. And now I can get to Drake, right? <laughs> yeah. What will actually drive, like I'm a marketer, right? Like I love the sort of stuff you were seeing and now I'm jealous. And now I'm like, okay, well, there is Web Summit and I think it's in Lisbon and I've never been to Lisbon. <laughs> Web Summit. Web Summit is the biggie. That's like the sixty to hundred thousand person uh, show that is um, considered to be the Davos of tech. Um, this was Web Summit's uh, little cousin collision. Um, just to, to put things in perspective, you should go to Lisbon. Do it. Be at that show. <laughs> All right, I'm convinced. No, I'm serious. Like um, you've been, you've been to internet summits, right? You've, you've spoken at internet summits at at, some, at the Charlotte show or the Riley show, or um, like and you remember that you remember how you were treated by their organizers, the experience you had. It was it was first rate, wasn't it? 
Yeah. I've spoken at their shows and it was for an incredible experience. Um, I was, I was also a vendor at one of their shows on behalf of Majestic. Incredible experience. Hmm. These are the same people. They're just a s- smaller division of the, of the same organization. So the Web Summit, I can guarantee you, will be an extraordinary um, experience. No matter what level you, if you go as an attendee or if you go as a speaker or, or even media, you will be treated really well with respect and anything you need. Again, like I said, I'm like, like, like Webcology is, a, is I'm, I'm, we've been doing this for a very long time. We've got a very good and loyal audience. Um, and for a podcast, it's good. But they bent, they gave me a, they gave me somebody called a media Sherpa to work out interviews for me. I mean, this was the, 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 what they, what the organizers threw into the experience of attendees. It was phenomenal. Yeah. And if they're doing that for sort of me in their smaller shows, like, so now we're talking about the internet one um, collision, right? So they're too smaller. I, I have to, I'll, I'll just be boggled. I, okay. I like a, Folks, well, I mean, I, and again, I hope one day to talk to you about Lisbon. <laughs> especially weights and biases. Like, honestly, um, I, if you guys aren't in a show like that, I'd be greatly surprised because that is your milieu. Yeah. That's where that's yeah. where the big minds are talking about really big things. Yeah. I'll, I'll be chatting with them about this shortly. Because <laughs> uh, we are like, like every company, right, is now re-looking at what we attend. Right? Like every company on earth right now is going, what are we doing? Uh, what shows are we going to? And that sort of thing. So. Well, and that's one of the things. Um, okay, so so I was I was really lucky. Um, Bill and Matoko Hunt uh, uh, were were also attending the um, the 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 the, 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 the uh, collision show, and I, I sat with them um, through a number of presentations in the uh, what was called the Panda Theater, which was more marketing related, uh, search related. Um, so where we saw where we all saw Neil, who incidentally did a really excellent presentation. It could have been written by Gary Vanderchuk, but it was an excellent presentation. It really, really was. Um, um, the uh, uh, so one of the things that 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 Bill turned in and said to me um, as we were we were listening, I, th- I think we were listening to how blockchain is going to be a, a, a affecting um, e-commerce into the future. Um, Bill, Bill was saying maybe, but we're really in a number of transition points right now, and it's hard to determine exactly where the overall internet is going until we settle on what the environment itself is going to be. What's the metaverse going to be? We know it's going to this 3D representation, but is it going to be like Doom, or is it going to be like, um, <laughs> uh, which is what I want to see, or is it going to be more like Minecraft, uh, much more technical and, and uh, 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 build focus like um, I see that in a lot of businesses right now like deciding what you're going what they want to do where they want to put their energy where they want to put their thought leadership um, because we know that um, think, think about the marketing world and the SEO world we know that schema and describing things in uh, ways that machines want to understand the language that they're telling us to use. Obviously, that's critical, right? Right. Um, so we can do that. That's easy. We know that that's a requirement of this and the new world that we're moving to. That's going to cross over until something right. comes to replace it. But that's the whole thing. What is going to cross over? So 
we know things are changing. We know that some of the stuff in our established world now is going to be crossing over into the new world, into the new stuff we're working on. And we know that the new stuff we're working on is just around the corner. It's tangible. It's right there. But we're not there yet. So where do you put your energy as a business? Right. Well, that's, and th- there is the crux, right? Because I, I've always, we've chatted business sort of things. And you were talking about earlier, like uh, when, when you were chatting about Collision Conference, having CEOs on stage talking about what's important to them, i.e. the next, you know, three months, because if they have bad reports, they're not CEO in four, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's how, how quarterly things go in, in sort of their world. And so what do you focus on? Do you focus on your long-term? Do you focus on your short I think a lot of that will depend on how much influence that individual leader has in an organization. You look at um, mm-hmm. Zuckerberg, for example, we can, you know, I, I appreciate and respect some of the things he does. I sort of roll my eyes and go, <laughs> you're, you're horrible um, on, on other things, but especially on his sort of doubling down on metaverse that we, we've seen lately and, and the work he's doing there. He is obviously strong enough as a leader to go, this is not going to help our quarter. Like, it's just not. This is not something that we're doing for right now. We're not even doing it for this year. It's actually probably going to hurt our 2022 numbers because it has mm-hmm. a cost without income. Uh, but we need to be doing this to look at, at sort of like 2025, 2026. So taking that, that longer term view of things. So I, I respect that. And I think the companies that will we'll have two groups of companies the win in the metaverse. We'll have the startups now that basically come in going, we have to have a three to five year plan because we're starting. Like we we need to be building for five years from now. Most startups aren't coming in going, we're building for right now. Certainly not in this in this space, right? They're not going in going, we're trying to solve a problem right now and we're expecting to be worth a billion dollars in a month, right? Like that's, that's just not the, the way those things go. They'll, they'll be looking at, at larger things or not all of them, but some of them um, and companies like Facebook or Google, they just have that strength of leadership and trust behind them of their leaders to go, we are going to take a loss here. You just got to stick with me. You know, Tesla has, has, you know, as much as I might. It's a great example. He he has also a lot of that same sort of like, you got to just stick with me because this is going to work. I'm going to drill holes all across the entire planet and people are going to be traveling through the right. Like I'm exaggerating his his ambitions there, but like I'm going to launch satellites and I'm going to drill holes, right? Like we're going to do all of the things. It's a boring Um, business plan, but it might work. (laughs) Oh, well played. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Um, (laughs) Indeed, he he came out actually the other day and said many of his factories that are making his cars are literally losing billions of dollars a year, but that's okay because that's today. Um, He needs to make sure that those cars are still being pumped off the line three years from now when everyone's buying them and those factories are making billions of dollars or millions to billions of dollars a year. Yeah. It's one of the advantages of the, as much as I might dig at it, normally not on the show, but privately um, at the current financial sort of like setup. And I have where I've gone like companies are just overvalued. Um, you know, in some of them, I, I've said that on this show, but this is one of the benefits of it, right. Is, is historically when Ford motor company started, you couldn't just go, we're going to take a loss of, billions of dollars for years, right? The funding environment, the, the, the structure was not there with a, a bunch of investors going, 
yeah, we're going to lose that kind of money for this long. But we've seen how this plays out um, with companies even like Google losing money for, for chunks of time and then all of a sudden becoming these behemoths. Um, In- people have that structure. They're okay with that structure. That does remind me of something else that was a little bit more more deteriorous in the in in our business cycle in the last couple of years. You know who was not well represented at Collision? Oh, who's that? The sharing economy. Mm. Uber, Uber Eats, um, DoorDash, all of those folks. They had boots certainly, but there wasn't a lot of buzz or energy around them because all of those companies, Uber is probably the best example, have literally been losing losing. Tons and tons and tons of money. I mean, they they got an investor burn rate that has run out because um, the VCs ain't giving money to grow unless you have substance beneath the growth any longer. And um, Uber's actually in a lot of trouble now. Um, it's uh, debatable how much longer they can continue subsidizing the rides that they offer to undercut the um, traditional taxi services. Um and continue maintaining a service when the um, the uh, uh, the the capital is no longer being injected in the back end. Right, right. Well, and that is a, a you know sort of. I guess that's good, right? Like in in the in the the long short of it, because we're looking. You look at like Uber or something like that. Now we're getting onto like the business side, but to me, it's been given its go. And if it can't compete without injections of free money, uh, then it can't, it can't survive, compete. right? Like you're- if you just can't, you can't. Now I had hoped for different, like I, I don't, you've probably tried to use taxis um, here in, in the city that I live in. Um, they're not ideal, they're fine, but they're not ideal. I wouldn't mind <laughs> seeing, but we don't have like Uber um, or Lyft here. Um you know, I, I wouldn't mind it having that having that additional um, sort of competition uh, doesn't exist here. But, um, you know, if it can't like this is capitalism, this is just the way it goes. If you can't, you don't get to keep getting free money from investors. Um, I feel sorry for the initial investors <laughs> on that one, I guess. But uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it's um, it's unfortunate, but um yeah, that's that's the way of things. Okay, so you have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. And even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
that was the conference. Um, we will have interviews from the conference coming up in uh, in future episodes. Um, and hopefully, um, there's a few people that I'm actually trying to set up as guests for future episodes because I don't want people to I don't want to walk away with thinking it was a doom and gloom conference. It absolutely wasn't. Um, but and, you know, it was really weird. Like when the search conferences, we had a purpose to be there. We had a definite, but we were there to speak about search or to write about search or whatever. A general conference like this, it's hard to find the one thing that you want to write about or think about or focus on. Um, I do want to throw my hat off again to Neil Patel. Um, I actually really enjoyed his presentation. It would be what you'd call a go out and get the customer using any means possible kind of presentation. And it was rousing. Hmm. Um, that sounds like something Neil would know. Yeah, he's like, very... He's, Whatever one might say about Neil Patel, whatever one might think about about his career or um, um, about the literally the true empire the dude has built, and it is, it is it's, it's, yeah. it's 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 a significant significantly large company the man has built. He is a great storyteller and a very good marketer. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. While I was gallivanting away at a conference, other stuff happened in the world. It was really hard. I have a hard time dealing with that, but it's true. Um, and uh, where do we want to go? I I really enjoyed. Uh, did you did you see Roger uh, Roger Monty's uh, piece on uh, the unsentience of Lambda? It's funny. It's the one I had up. It's where I thought we would start because it makes perfect sense and it's a it's a, a good story. So, um, Roger is a very analytical, logical dude, um, looked at last week's controversy, and um, this is for the sake of the audience, sometimes when you're in my position, you got to sort of play a role. I, I know Lamp is not sentient. I, I knew that last week, too, just for what it's worth. Um, but I got to ask Dave a whole bunch of questions and lead a lot of pretending guy. Anyway. Uh, Roger, I think, was listening, because directly after, he's like writing all this stuff down about why it's not sentient. <laughs> um and he actually he goes through a, 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 an extremely good explanation of what Lambda is, what it was, what's there for, and why it's able, remarkably able, to do what it does. Yeah, I think it's an important um, story uh, for anybody. So over um, on Search Engine Journal, um, it's it, it's an important story. I I think to read to really understand because this is going to be a topic that comes up, and rightfully so a important topic that comes up over the next decade, probably 10, you know, 10 to 20 years, uh, where we'll have to revisit this idea of where is that line, right? Like when, like not now, we're, we're all sort of like your chat, like you and I, Roger, we're all sort of agreeing all but, uh, but this one guy um, over, you know, who's, who's now on paid leave from Google, um, all sort of agree, this isn't sentience, this isn't, what it looks like and, and this isn't what it behaves like but when like he, i i know what that is like i can tell you right now when when we can claim it's it's, it's sentient and when the moment that? it hires a lawyer to protect its interests <laughs> that damn thing is sentient you know it that I, I i might argue that that would be a pretty easy thing for a system to learn and go oh they all do this <laughs> <laughs> Convince them I'm real. Hire a lawyer. 
but yeah, I, I do think it is an, it's it's both an important discussion. But what I liked about and, and you're right, Roger does a good job of these types of pieces. What I like about what Roger wrote and why I think it is really important reading for people is it is important to understand how technologies like this work to understand a why people might think they look like they're sentient, like why they look like they're something they're not, just so that you can recognize them. Um, and so that it might help us understand in the next decade or, or two decades from now, or, or whenever that point is, if it happens, that we cross over and machines do become sentient, like the, some sort of singularity happens and a machine becomes sentient. How do we recognize that as different from something that just really, really looks like it is? Like they can basically in all the responses appear as oh it is, but if you don't understand, like you have to understand what's going on or at least go, I have no idea what's going on. And I think the hardware is getting there to where eventually at some point we might go, we, we don't know. We, we've now hit that blurry line where it might just, it might be sentient. It might just be responding to algorithms but it's so complex now and what's going on in this neural net is just so incredible and, and so fast and now competes with the human brain in speeds that, and, and complexity that we, we just don't know. Um, and we need to know when that happens so that we'll, we'll understand what we're, what we're doing. We'll, we'll understand where, where we need to draw those lines and, and well, how we need to interact with things. You can, you can how to say this? You can see how Google's own researcher. And I'm sorry, I, I forget. The, I forget the man's name. Um, but you can see how Google's own researcher um, can come to a conclusion that something is sentient based on the, 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 that very long, detailed conversation and an existential conversation that that he had with the machine. And it, remi it reminds me of um, of Alan Turing's test for what he said was true artificial intelligence. Um, can the uh, can the chat bot or the, the 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 machine convince you it's a person? Well, 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 while you're chatting, you, you don't know it's a person or a machine. Right. That's a test of AI, not a test of sentience. Right. Um, and uh, we don't have a written and defined test for digital sentience. Um, we know what life is, or we've defined what life is. Um, but we don't know what a digital creature is, one that we made ourselves. Uh, we've not, I, I, do you know a definition of it? No, I think we do have a pretty poor job of it. Like in that one, like when we say the word sentient, if you said, Dave, I want you to define what sentient is, I would have a real problem doing that even in the context of myself. Like I've never, yeah. I don't think I've ever <laughs> looked it up. I just kind of, it's one of those things I know. Like, I think, therefore, I am. I am sentient, therefore, I am, right? Like, so I define it in the but context Lambda of But Lambda could say me. that, too. Yeah, exactly. So when does it cross? And you're right. I think this is a great example of the Turing test gets passed. Like, clearly it does, because it actually convinced a person in a conversation that it was sentient. Like, maybe a, a twisted Turing, the person knew they were talking to a machine, but so convincingly that they now went, oh, it's, it is equal to me. In, in what it, it does. So I know it's a machine, but that doesn't mean the Turing test was failed. Just because I know it's a machine, it might be that the Turing test is sort of mystifying by its age um, at that one. And we weren't viewing a world where we don't need the machine to mimic me. We just need the machine to be considered a version 
as intelligent and 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 maintain you know as 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 capable um, as a human being in, in engaging those conversations. You don't need to trick me and make me think I'm a human. You just need to be able to interact with me at the level that I'm speaking at, which clearly this one did. I think I I don't mean to over trivialize this at all, but honest to goodness, as well, I, I was trying to think of where philosophically do we have any definition of uh, of machine sentience? And it's the Picard defense of data. That's it. That's the only one I can think of. That was actually, and it's fictional. It's a fictional representation yeah. supposedly happening 250 years in our future. A definite, we need definitions like that now because we're actually, if, 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 if Lambda 2, um, the son of Lambda or, or daughter or, or, or I should say child of Lambda become, comes to fruition, you know, something that actually does achieve something, it's got rights. But we have no idea what that means. Yeah, well, indeed. Anyway. Indeed. And I mean, what level of rights <laughs> do we give it, right? Um, so, if like, we can look at, like... How can, how can you not give it full rights if it's sentient? If, if it well, actually has feelings and understands itself. And that'll depend on our level, because I would say, what else has feelings? I don't know. A pig has a neurological system. It feels emotions. And Does it understand its, its uniqueness? Right? Like, what level of... of, of of, 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 like where does it have to fall in there right to, to be given a, a classification that equal. indeed um, indeed there's uh, there's about a hundred thousand questions um and then for the for the record i too eat i i i would happily eat that pig <laughs> um <laughs> unless we named it first in which case you know that's different like it wouldn't eat uh, babe but <laughs> well i mean i might <laughs> let's, 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 let's face it, it's a succulent thing. Um, okay, moving right along. They, they fed that pig well. They did. Okay. Um, also in Search Engine Journal, um, I think it was a couple of days ago. Um, sorry, it was today. Um, Greg Jarboe, a name hasn't come up for, for a little while, wrote an amazing guide to um, the eight major... Um, Social media application algorithms. You know, we're talking TikTok, Instagram, uh, uh, Facebook, and Twitter, um, etc. I have not read it because I just hadn't had a chance this morning. Had some some different things sort of pop up, um, but I can say for our listeners who may just be finding out about it, um, you know, right now or haven't had a chance as well, um, even having not read it. Um, Greg Jarbo wrote it. <laughs> so here's what I know. After we're done, or like for, for, for listeners, you'll know now, it, it hits noon when our show finishes. And what I'll be doing over my lunch uh, is reading this piece um, and sharing it with a few of my friends. Now I'll read it before sharing it, but I will be undoubtedly um, sharing it with a few people I know who are in the, the social space and and. We'll, we'll definitely find it handy um, because Greg never speaks without knowing really is, is what, what it boils down to. Like Greg's just one of those people where I'm like, okay, if you said something, you've researched this, you've put it all together. Um, you know, I, I guess like we were talking about Roger, right? Like he's another one of those, like you've done your homework, you put this out. So anyway, 
it, it'll be a, a good read. Now, have you had a chance to, to go through it? Are there any little like tidbits? Or I just like jumped on that you one. You know what? There's a bunch of little tidbits in there from um from the um best uh uh file size um or times timestamp for TikTok videos um to uh ways to um get to get text messages into 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 your YouTube videos and then to get to get links into uh, those text messages. Um, the thing about this piece is there's a way more information that he wants to give to you that he's able to in the amount of uh, of space that uh, that that search engine journal can you know that can, can, can give any author. Um, just just only. <laughs> 15 minute read uh people tend not to so so greg gives a lot of links to places where you're going to get much more detailed information and it's it's kind of like a survey course of the eight different um social media environments and what to expect when you get there um one of the cool things about this kind of article is um and again like like you said about greg he he does his he does his research and he meticulously passes this on to 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 the audience um one of the cool things about this is it's good to look at sort of the plan, how you want to approach your um, your goals in different social media environments, because different environments will give you different outcomes. So you're chasing different goals. Um, your goal, your goal in TikTok is obviously very different than, say, your goal in um, on Facebook or uh, uh, on uh, on Twitter. I saw something the other day. This is uh, stepping up, step, stepping away from from Greg's article. Um, I forget who I forget who posted. It was up on Facebook, but it was in it was in the private SEO group. So I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. But it was a um, a survey that suggested that users are starting to look at TikTok more frequently than Google when it comes to searches that might produce. Um, a bunch of text before you get to the meat of what you're looking for, say a recipe, mm -hmm. um, trying to compete in the recipe space. You have to write your entire life story just to contextualize why you made the apple pie. Um, and that's what you get ranking on. Um, and the readers don't want that. They just want to learn how to make the damn apple pie. And they can learn that in 15 seconds on a TikTok video. It's funny you bring that up. I was listening to um, Search Off the Record yesterday. Yeah. And they, they it was like the, the third or fourth time I'd heard them dig at exactly what you're talking about. And I think it was Martin who was like, and I was born to a woman who was in a field and invented like, like how every <laughs> recipe begins. Um, and I was like, oh, you're really just sort of like digging at those. But I get like, it's just become sort of like the placeholder of like, useless text that is necessary for rankings right like you need to differentiate your apple pie recipe from another and google can't tell which one actually tastes best like it can't so you need to know that it was a rainy day on that patio in france right? like, and off you go um to to how this recipe was was born but uh anyway that's something to watch for, though. If the social media environments are expressing the information that the uh, internet users, I'm not going to want to call them searches anymore necessarily, but the internet users are actually looking for. And if they can get it faster somewhere else, mm -hmm. then as a marketer, you've got to learn how to use that somewhere else because half your audience or whatever, whatever percentage of your audience is possibly looking there. And that's something I think a lot of SEOs haven't actually considered. Um, and I'm just, something that Google really should consider. Um, 
how to say this? It's not that Google, people talk about how Google's gotten so bad, gotten worse and gotten worse and gotten worse. And in many ways, Google's actually gotten much better. It's just the way they yeah. convey the information. But Google used to be a unique, shiny thing off on its own as the only place you were ever going to find what you're looking for fast. It's no longer the only place. And that's why it looks like its results are deteriorating because other people's are getting better. Yeah, well, indeed, indeed. And one thing I, I would I would add to that um, is assuming that the fine folks at Google aren't idiots, because we've seen them weather storms like this before. <laughs> yeah. right? Like that they see a threat come up and they they address they saw a video on the rise, they bought YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Like they they saw, you know, they they keep seeing things come up. Sometimes they fail, they saw Facebook and then circles, and then that just they left it to Facebook. Like that just didn't go very well for them. Um, but when we look at TikTok, which is to me, uh, not just a threat to Google, because you're 100% right. Like there is stuff where I go to different starting points, right? Amazon's mm -hmm. been a historic one for us. Product, Amazon, right? Like that's just yeah. where you, you go to look for that, which is, is a big one. Um, you know, when you want video or, or a very succinct point, yeah, TikTok makes perfect, perfect sense. But if we now take that one step further and go, okay, we do need to know TikTok. Like if, if that's our audience, if our audience is going to be looking for this sort of stuff, TikTok, like a video will work, TikTok, great. We need to do that. But also look and go, the fine folks at Google are not idiots. So what are they doing? Like what, what have they, oh, YouTube shorts. Oh, I heard like on search off the record. I heard them talk about that about eight times, right? Like where they, they've mentioned they're pushing in on, on, shorter videos and they're getting more and more um, on mobile traction in the carousels. Like that's just happened over the last few weeks, right? Like where they're giving them like sort of special or um, little spots. Will that become a thing? Who knows? But you're already building it for TikTok. <laughs> like, so my mind would just be, you're already doing it over here. Just format it a little differently. It's still on mobile, like still focus it on mobile when you're dealing with shorts um, and then just punch it in um, and make sure that, Google will favor their own stuff. Like, if you ask them, no, they don't. But they'll certainly format their videos on YouTube in a way that makes it very easy for them to digest on Google search. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. it's not like they're it's not like they're favoring their own thing. They're just favoring the content made in the format that they say they like the best, which happens to be their own stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> heavens. Google promoting their own stuff over others? Oh, so, I'm shocked. I'm telling you, I'm shocked. Just don't In, tell lawmakers at the EU that. Well, um, they know. <laughs> they can, I'm, I'm sure they can find out for themselves when they when they look up um, uh, EU law and they find the Second Amendment comes up first. Um, I'm sure they can find out for themselves quite easy. Um, which, which reminds me of a story we covered a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago. But uh, uh, just a quick reminder, if um, you do have to, um, if you do want to block content from certain areas, do not block content from the United States, no matter where you are in the world. If you do, you're blocking Googlebot. Bad idea. Okay, we got a couple more minutes left and a whole bunch more stories to go through. Um, one I found really, really surprising. Um, and I understand this is really cool. Content that's not visible. So content that, that isn't visible on the page, but still part of your message, part of the stuff that you're trying to express, isn't as critically bad as it once was. Gary Eyes said this, and I probably think the uh, 
the the off the record episode that you were watching um and uh martin was like what oh really oh well okay then <laughs> um a part where the right hand of the, the right side of the office doesn't necessarily know what the left side of the office is up to but again gary has direct access to um the algo and where where, where martin and uh uh john might not um so content that you used to hide in little accordions and stuff that you, you had to include in the code on the page and stuff, it had to be there. Throw it in your Java. It doesn't need to be there. Um, doesn't need to have that all because as long as Google knows about it and they can render it, Google understands that a page might represent five or six different topics depending on the choices the user makes. Exactly. That one thing that I found interesting about this one uh, for, for myself personally was in, oh, we almost didn't mention his name, in Barry Schwartz's write-up. Thank, thank you. goodness we got that in. Um, he had noted that it wasn't super new. It was covered numerous times. I personally had the exact same response that Martin did. I was like, mm -hmm. what? 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 So for folks who knew, congratulations. Like you were obviously paying more attention than I was. I like to think I pay close attention. I hadn't caught this one. Um, and yeah, what I, I sort of like two things on this one, uh, one, the, the old black hatter in me. Oh, oh, he found that really interesting news. Like I, I don't work on sites at all that I would deploy anything like this on, but that, that part of it was like, oh, I think you might be breaking things. Um, but something to note for folks who are going to quote unquote hide content. And I mean, in the legit way, like you have a series of buttons and you click on one and then you know, a box opens up that shows all the reviews and then it's a different one that shows a product description. The stuff that should be there, you just might want to organize it better or in accordions. Um, it, it can't be content that is rendered on the page after an interaction. So when you view your source, or like, I guess not, I shouldn't say source, when you render it, <laughs> uh, easy test, go over to Search Console, grab that page, tell it that you want to like view that page. I think it's like test or something. It's funny, it's a tool I use a thousand times. It's up in the right hand and you click this blue button and then there it is. Um, but I'm like, does it say test? I don't know anymore. Um, anyway, pull the page. It, it pulls like a new, uh, like it basically crawls the page. It'll show you the HTML. If it shows up there, you're good. You're if it doesn't yeah. show up there, Google's not seeing it because Google doesn't interact with your page. So um, I did find out also in the same episode, though, why that is, because they used to do it and then just found it cost too much. Like Google would fill in any for them was too high. Google would fill in any form. And could you imagine the rabbit holes that must have gone down on or, or, or the, the, with the new e-commerce sites with all the drop down choices? Um, oh, yeah. And then you think of like, how do you know what to click on? Well, I guess you got to click on everything, right? Like, yeah, just it would be crazy. So if you're ever looking for answers like this and you're not listening to Webcology once a week, you might have tuned into Office Hours once a week just to see what, uh, what John was up to and what he was saying. You're not going to be doing that anymore because uh, Office Hours has now been cut to once a month and it's no longer live. Um, John used to sit down, plunk himself in front of YouTube, uh, in front of a camera, I'm sorry, and just turn turn on uh, Google Live and hold a, hold a uh, live question and answer for as long as it took. Now it's down to about 30, maybe maybe 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes per month, and um, it's pre-recorded um, answers only. So, um, so yeah, um, there you go. 
Yeah. And I, I guess that's a shame, but I, I totally get it. Um, something I'll note because I had to log in. Uh, it's test live URL, folks. That there button in the upper right corner, <laughs> test live URL. Uh, um, so, office hours are cut a little bit. So from office hours, we used to get amazing tidbits like hyphens over underscores in URLs because Google likes them better if you're trying to separate words because the hyphen indicates a, a separation in the word where the underscore might be bringing them together, might be separated them. Google really doesn't know. We used you to know what? And as like somebody that. like I work a lot in code, like code samples on a page. I understand exactly when they were, were discussing um, the fact that underscores can actually be part of a thing, like where mm-hmm. it, it actually, the, 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 the entity being described or, or the concept being described actually requires the underscore. It's not just two words blended together in code. You would see it a lot as an underscore. Um, so I got exactly where they were going because the reason um, for the hyphen still being recommended is it under, was exactly that. It's not code specific, but that the underscore is actually used at times. Um, to bind to create together. a full concept to bind it together. And that was the kind of tidbit we would get with John Mueller's like, you know, weekly office hours uh, where he was doing it live and just sort of speaking off the top of his head. Now he's writing the stuff down after reading your question. So he's he's thinking through the answer and he, those tidbits probably aren't going to come out as, as freely or as easily. And I'm going to miss that myself because it gave us lots to talk about. (laughs) It's funny because it's one of the things that I've repeatedly on the show credited John with is one of the nice things about John versus say Matt cuts in the, in the old day. I understand this wasn't Matt's choice, but where it was all just scripted and you knew that it was a very googly answer to everything that was coming. And now we'll, we'll be moving a little more to that. Um, However, we might get some of the, bigger questions answered and John will be able to actually go and rather than protect everything and go, I have to assume I'm going to get in trouble, right? Go forward and go, okay, how can I word this answer in a way that I don't have, that I can put as much forward as possible, Um, which I I think he might've hit sometimes. Like I know I would have been and gone, I know the answer, but I don't know how much of the answer I'm allowed to say. So I'm just going to say it depends Um, and, and leave it at that. Okay, we've got time for one more really fast. Um, and this actually is right up. This is straight out of weights and biases. Um, the, uh, the, 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 that art, that artistic AI program, DALI, that um, yeah. was, was actually written by, by one of your colleagues at weights and biases, has rebranded itself, I love this name, as Crayon. Um, C-R-A-I-Y-O-N, Crayon. Um, is this the second generation of DALI? Um, I think it solves two problems. The reason its name was changed was there is a Dolly, like the actual Dolly. And, and I actually learned a bit about this is Dolly Mini was created by Boris Dema, who read the open AI paper on Dolly and created it. Um, it was open, so he could do that. However, Dolly is trademarked. So open AI made the request and said, you need to change. He did, like, no problem. That's that's what's going on. But one thing, so folks, if you're looking for it, it's now Crayon with an AI. That's so cute. Uh, <laughs> on, um, <laughs> you know, sort of sort of to it. One of the things that I think it also solves, however, is we had Dolly Mini. Um, 
Boris was working on Dolly Mega. Dolly Mega was actually powering, which is just a bigger data set of training. It was starting to power Dolly Mini. So it is becoming this blurry line of versions. And I think, oh, just crayon. It's just always crayon. Whatever the newest version is that you can run, this will just be it. Um, so I, I think it also solves that problem that I think Boris would have been hitting uh, pretty fast anyway, is like, when do you switch its name? Do you switch its name? Do you say, no, Dolly Mega is now Dolly Mini. So I, I think it started as a trademark thing, but uh, but now it, uh, yeah, Fortune, I think, solves another problem. And uh, and now you would go to Crayon uh, to, to find it. Okay, C-R-A-I-Y-O-N, um, still pumping out the uh, wonderfully surrealistic impression of the world as, as seen through AI, and that takes us around the clock. Um, we are at the top of the hour on the uh, 23rd of June, 2022. So, friends, on behalf of Dave Davies from Weights and Biases, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's summertime. Get your life balance in order. Get out there and enjoy the summer while you can. Um, it's the beginning of summer. You have eight to ten weeks. Go to it. Again, on behalf of Dave, stay well, rank well, be good webmaster, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.